You're listening to the Bellevue Baptist Gaston Podcast. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. It's so good to be here with you this morning. Uh, I really appreciate Pastor Cole giving me the opportunity to uh, preach today, so I'm thankful for that. Uh, Also, I just want to give a shout out to our worship band this morning. Uh, When Brandon told me what our set was today, I was joking with him. I said, if you can't be ready to preach after that set, then what are you even doing, right? So uh, just a a great time of worship so far today. Uh, Just a great service that we've had uh, already today. So uh, let's pray together. Uh, Lord, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for this great time of worship that we've had together. Uh, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak to us through your word. And so, uh, Father, I just pray that our hearts and minds would be focused on you during this time, um, that you would speak to us through your word today. And we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Um, all right, so this morning we're going to be in Psalm 139, uh, so you can go ahead and be opening your Bible to Psalm 139 and hold it there for just a moment. Uh, over the last month or six weeks or so in our uh, Wednesday night uh, student meetings, uh, we've been going through a series where I've asked our students to write down questions that they have about the Bible, about uh, being a Christian, about uh, Christianity in today's culture, you know, any, anything like that, questions you have about God. Uh, and so I was blown away by the questions that I received through that. Uh, and so we've spent several weeks going through those questions kind of one by one. Uh, and so over the last several weeks, we've looked at some, some big questions. Uh, you know, so far we've looked at the question of, is the Bible trustworthy? You know, it was written a long time ago. Like, can we be sure that the Bible that we have today is the same as it was when it was written? Uh, and which the overwhelming response to that was yes. Uh, and so we went through all that. Uh, you know, we looked at uh, a question of, you know, what happens to people that never hear the gospel? Uh, you know, that's a big one, right? That's a big question that our students are wrestling with. Uh, and then this past Wednesday, we looked at the question of what uh, is with all these different denominations, right? What sets Baptists apart from all these other denominations? And so we kind of walked through that together with some scripture to look at, you know, why do we believe what we believe here um, as a Baptist church? And so these are some big questions that our students are dealing with. Uh, you know, they're thinking hard about uh, spiritual things, and so it's been a lot of fun to walk through this series with them uh, and to look at these big questions that they have about God, uh, about the Bible, and to you know dive into Scripture with them and to really uh, go deep into some of these theological questions. Uh, and so this morning I wanted to share with you one of the questions that we talked about uh, a few weeks ago, uh, and it's another great question. Uh, and the reason I wanted to talk about this with you today is because I think this message applies uh, to uh, all of us. Not just teenagers are dealing with this. I think even as adults, uh, we can struggle with this question. Uh, and that question is, does God really see me and does he care about me? Uh, and so the way that this question was asked, I, I really appreciate it. Uh, they just wrote it down on a card, but the, the, this is what the card said. It says, there are a lot of people out there in the world. How can I know that God really sees me? Uh, and so it can be easy for us to blend in sometimes, right? To uh, slip into a crowd and go unnoticed. 
Uh, you know, I know thinking about with our students, you know, they go to mostly go to a fairly large high school, and so they, you, it's easy to go in uh, to blend into the crowd, to not stick out, and for no one to really notice you or to see you. And I think even as adults, we still can do that, you know, whether that's at work or maybe even in your home life, you feel like uh, no one really sees you. Like maybe I just blend into the wall. Nobody pays attention to me. Nobody notices me. And so we can get in our mind that God is like this. You know, there's a lot of other people out there. So, you know, why would God see me personally? Um, And so, uh, you know, we can get that thought into our mind. Um, And so I think there's a couple of things to look at with this question. I think one of them is uh, sort of a broader, you know, theological idea, like how can God see me when there's so many people in the world? Uh, and then the other side is more personal, right? It's a more personal aspect to this question, which is, you know, with all the other people in the world, how does God see me and does he care about me as an individual? Uh, does he care about me personally? Uh, and how can I know that and be confident in it? Uh, and so because of that, there's a couple of ways we're going to kind of tackle this question today. Uh, first, we're going to look at a couple of the characteristics of God. Uh, and then we'll look at what that means for us on a personal, everyday level. Uh, and so uh, that's why we're going to dive into Psalm 139 today. Uh, because when we have questions about God, we need to turn to the Bible. Uh, this is how we learn about God. This is where he's revealed himself to us. Um, is through his word. And so that's where we should turn when we have questions about God. And so we're going to look at Psalm 139 today. Um, And real quick, just one more thing before we actually get into the text. But um, Psalm 139 is written by King David. Uh, And so a lot of us are probably familiar with him. This is the same David from David and Goliath, right? Uh, And so, um, you know, David is no stranger to difficulty. He's no stranger to uh, hard times. Uh, And so, you know, I just want to remind you of this because sometimes when you hear uh, a psalm written by King David and we're thinking about, well, does God see me personally? And you think, well, David was a king, right? He was really important. He was really rich and powerful and all these things. But that was not always true about David. Uh, And so God uh, is the one that guided his life uh, for him to end up uh, in that situation. You know, if you think about his path to being king, uh, you know, he uh, was on the run for a while from another king that was trying to kill him because he was scared he was going to uh, take his place. And so, you know, that's hard times, right? And so David is no stranger to difficult situations. And so I just wanted to remind you of that as we dive into this. Um, but the life of David is a, a great example of God guiding someone's life for God's own glory. And so, uh, and so just keep that in mind as we read this today. So uh, let's go ahead. We're going to read Psalm 139, verses 1 through 18. So let's read this, or I'll, I'll read it, and you can follow along in your, in your Bible or on the screen. It says, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. 
This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I am unable to reach it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If, my, if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me, around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The light shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God, how precious your thoughts are to me. How vast, uh, how vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. Um, so uh, the first thing I want us to see in this passage is that God is omniscient. Okay, the first thing we can learn about God here is that he is omniscient. This means that God knows everything. Uh, everything there is to know, God knows. Uh, he knows everything that has happened in the past, everything that is happening right now in the present, and everything that will happen in the future. Uh, he knows everything. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 says that nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Uh, and that is being proven true here in this psalm. Uh, and so what that means for us is that God knows us. He knows our heart. It says that he's examined our heart and knows everything about us. He knows when we stand or when we sit. He knows when we travel and when we stay. Uh, he knows uh, what we are going to say even before we say it. Uh, God knows us and he knows everything about us. Uh, and there's this great quote from a guy named A.W. Tozer. He says, because God knows all things perfectly, he knows no thing better than any other thing. But he knows all things equally well. He is never surprised or wonders about anything. And so this means that nothing you could do or anyone could do surprises God. Nothing can catch him off guard. Uh, there's nothing you can do that he wasn't prepared for. Uh, and so I'm sure you've heard the phrase, you know, this person knows me better than I know myself. You know, my wife knows me better than I know myself. Uh, and with God, this is true. God knows you better than you know yourself. Because he knows all things perfectly. He knows the entire course of your life from beginning to end. Uh, he knows um, uh, you know, everything. He knows your entire life. And this always blows my mind. Uh, is that he knew you before you existed. right? Uh, before you were born, God knew you. Before your grandparents were born, God knew you. Uh, he knew you. Uh, and so I really love... Uh, in verse 5 here, where it says, you have encircled me. Uh, and so what this means is that God has us surrounded. Uh, the King James Version says that you have set a hedge around me, right? You may have heard that before. And so I really love this idea that God has us completely surrounded. Uh, you know, I think sometimes we can be uncomfortable with that fact, right? Like when you think about 
somebody that's always watching you, uh, that can be an uncomfortable thought, right? Uh, but I think the reason that it's uncomfortable is because we can be cynical or we're skeptical of the intentions of the person that's watching us, right? Um, but with David, you know, he is amazed by this idea. Uh, you know, he's amazed by the fact that God has, uh, that God has a hedge around him, that he is completely surrounded by him. Uh, and so this makes me think of like a, a little kid, right? Um, you know, a little kid is, is happy when you are watching over them. Uh, and I know our students are out here and they're like, mm, no thanks. But, uh, but I'm thinking like little kid, right? So like Everly, uh, she loves when we are watching her, right? She wants all the attention. She wants all eyes on her. And we are more than happy to oblige because she's adorable and we love her. Uh, but she wants our attention. She wants to know that we're watching over her and she's comfortable when we're around and watching over her. Um, and so a child is much more at ease when their parent is there watching over them with a watchful eye. Uh, and so this is the same mindset that David has here with God. Uh, he loves the idea of, of God's watchful eye on him. He loves the idea of being encircled by God at all times by having a hedge around him at all times. You know, he says this is, um, uh, you know, this wondrous knowledge is too much for me to handle. You know, I mean, he, he loves it. Um, and like I said, it can be scary for us to, to think about that, right? It can be scary to know that God sees us at all times. It can be, uh, you know, he knows our heart and he knows our every thought. And that can be, uh, scary because, you know, it's not great all the time, right? The, the thoughts we have, our heart is not always in a great place. Um, but God knows our heart. He knows every thought we've, we've ever had, every thought we had and we didn't even say, you know, he knows this. Uh, he has us completely surrounded, completely hedged in. Um, and so again, the knowledge of this is too wonderful for David to understand because um, he knows that God knows him better than he knows himself, right? Uh, and so, you know, we can have the tendency to want to reject that, reject what God's Word says about us, about our own condition, um, but we need to recognize that he knows us better than we know ourselves, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Uh, for God to have us completely surrounded is a good thing. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, and so the second, th- the second thing I want us to see today from this passage about God is that he is omnipresent. Okay, so he is omniscient. He knows everything, and he is omnipresent. This means that he is everywhere all the time. Uh, And I love verse 7 here. Uh, This is where we can see this. It says, where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And so David is asking these two rhetorical questions because we know that the answer is nowhere. There's nowhere we can go that is outside of God's presence. Uh, No matter how far we go or how, how fast we try to get there, there is nowhere outside of God's presence. It says, if I go to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. And so David was so uh, confident of the constant presence of God's love that not even death in the grave could separate him from God's love. And so this may sound familiar because uh, Paul reiterates this in Romans chapter 8. He says, I am convinced that neither death nor life nor height nor death or any created thing can separate us from God's love. And so David knew that. David 
uh, knew that God's presence was with him and that uh, it would hold David no matter what may come. He says, if I go east, you are there. If I go west, you are there. Uh, If I try to hide in the darkness, you are there and you still see me because the night shines like day for a God that can see all things and is in all places. Uh, Last summer, me and Amanda went and met my parents at Cathedral Caverns. uh, And, you know, that's a big cave and you can take a a tour of the cave, uh, which is fun, but um, it's nice and cool in there. It was in the middle of the summer, so I appreciated that. Uh, but anyways, when you get to the end of the tour, they turn off all the lights in the cave uh, so that you can experience total darkness, is what they call it. Uh, and it is total darkness. I mean, you can't see your hand in front of your face. Uh, you can't see anything at all. I mean, it's complete and total darkness. Uh, and so, you know, we are standing in this cave, hundreds of feet underground, standing in total darkness. Uh, but it's amazing to think that God, even in that moment, was with us and could see us uh, because there was nowhere outside of God's presence. And so, um, you know, this just, again, reminds us of his uh, omnipresence. And so God, again, is omniscient. He knows everything that there is to know, past, present, future. He is omnipresent everywhere at all times. And so now I want us to kind of focus on this next section here, verses 13 through 16. Uh, And I think this is where it really starts to kind of show uh, just how personal and intentional God is with each of us individually. Uh, And this is where it speaks of God creating us, that God created us. Uh, It says that, uh, that God knitted you together in your mother's womb. So I don't know if any of you uh, knit on a regular basis or you've been around someone that's knitting, but it is not uh, a particularly fast process, right? It's not something you can just whip together quickly. You know, if you get a little chilly, you can't just knit together a sweater real fast. Uh, it takes time and intentionality, uh, and it's a, you know, thorough and time-consuming process. Uh, you know, you can't just throw it together in just a few minutes. It takes intentionality. Uh, and this is the, the picture that the psalmist paints here of, of God intentionally knitting us together. Uh, and the human body is, is amazing. Uh, you know, I was reading uh, earlier this week about our DNA. Uh, did you know that uh, in a single thread of DNA is a, a, enough information that is equivalent to 600,000 pages of 500 words per page text? Okay, so that's ridiculous. That is the, uh, 50 times the size of an entire encyclopedia set, for any of you that remember what encyclopedia sets were like. Uh, so I don't know how many tweets that is, but it's probably a lot. Uh, so that's just one single DNA thread, and we have millions of DNA threads in our body. Uh, but a single DNA thread com- uh, contains that much information. Uh, And so when you think about that and then just this idea that we're just, you know, cosmic accidents that just happen, I mean, that's absurd, right? Uh, You know, we can see the intentionality and the detail in our makeup, right? Just the way that we are made, uh, that we have been knitted together by God. Uh, And it says that we were woven together in our mother's womb. Again, this is uh, language of intentionality and artistry, right? Right? Um, you know, God was 
you know, knitting you together. He's weaving you together. Uh, before your mother even knew she was pregnant, God was already knitting you together in her womb. Um, and this is amazing. This is amazing. Uh, in verse 14, you know, this is one of those verses that we, we know a lot. Uh, you hang it up in your nursery with your kids and you tell your kids. And we should do that because it's true. Uh, and it says, I will praise God because I am remarkably and wonderfully made. Uh, or you may know it better as being fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, and so there is no doubt uh, when we read this passage about the greatness of our Creator and there's no doubt about the value of the creation that is inside the womb. And so we know that there is a human life inside this womb that was woven together, that was knit together by God himself. Uh, and what an amazing truth that is. Uh, and so we see that God cares about our beginning. He cares about our future. Uh, and he cares about us right now. Uh, and so we see this in verses 17 and 18. Um, that God cares for you as an individual. Uh, it says it cares about us so much that his thoughts about us outnumber the grains of sand. Uh, and so just think about, um, you know, standing on the beach. You know, we love going to the beach. Uh, and so you're just standing on the beach and just think about all the sand that just winds up in your car on the way home. Uh, you know, if that's what it said, they'd be like, that's a lot of sand. Uh, but then you just think about on the on the beach itself, how many grains of sand. I mean, it's innumerable, right? That you can't possibly count it. Uh, and yet the Bible tells us that God's thoughts of us each far outnumber the grains of sand. Uh, and so he thinks about you. He considers you. Uh, a few years ago, my parents were in New York City and they were just kind of walking around the city uh, and they ran into Barry Manilow. Uh, and so my mom like instantly kind of like freaked out a little bit. Uh, and she was like, it's Barry Manilow. And he kind of looked over at her and she like hid behind a, <laughs> this thing. And, uh, I told her I was telling this story and she was like, ah, okay. Uh, but she was like, Barry Manilow just looked at me. He just looked at me. Uh, it's Barry Manilow. Uh, and so she was like thrilled with that. The Barry Manilow just looked in her direction. Like he might've saw her. I don't know if she was hiding. Uh, but, uh, but she was so excited about that. Uh, and then, you know, I had sort of a similar experience a few years ago before we moved here. Uh, I worked at a parachurch organization in Tuscaloosa called Youth for Christ. Uh, and Nick Saban has a charity called Nick's Kids, and they were a donor to Youth for Christ. Uh, and so I got to take a couple of our students to this uh, banquet that they were putting together. Uh, and so Nick Saban was there, and we got to take a picture with him and everything, and so that was cool. Uh, and when I came up, we were wearing name tags. And so when I walked up, uh, you know, he shook my head and he said, uh, hey, Brandon, thanks for being here. And I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, I was so pumped, right? Because like Nick Saban acknowledged me. He like even said my name and like, how great is that? Uh, and so these experiences, you know, compared with like this passage just reminds me of this quote from Charles Spurgeon. It says, uh, or it's a story that he told. He says, you know, people are very proud of a king or if a king uh, or Nick Saban has merely looked at them. I've heard of a man who used to boast all of his life that King George once spoke to him. All he said was get out of the road. But it was a king who said it. So the man felt greatly gratified. But you and I can rejoice that God, before whom kings are as grasshoppers, actually thinks of us and thinks of us often. Uh, and so just 
you know, when we think about, you know, a king or, you know, a football coach that, that just looks at you and how excited we get. But the, the God of creation, you know, thinks of us and thinks of us often. It's amazing and beautiful. And so we have a clear answer uh, in this passage, Psalm 139, to these questions that we have been considering this morning. Uh, does God know me? Does he see me? Uh, the answer is yes, uh, because he is omniscient and he's om- omnipresent. Uh, he sees everything and he knows everything. But does God care for me as an individual? Yes. He created you with love and with care and with intentionality. His thoughts of you far outnumber the grains of sand. Uh, But finally, and even more importantly, uh, we can know that God cares about you because he sent his son to save you and redeem you from your sin so that you could have everlasting life with him. And so this is what Romans 5 has to say about that. He says, Uh, God showed his love for us in this way, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God allowed his son to take on our sin and die a death that we deserved because of his great love for us. We did nothing to earn it. We for sure don't deserve it. Um, But Christ died for us. Why? Why did he do that? So that we could be with God forever. The death and resurrection of Jesus is the only way that we can be with God for eternity. And he loved us so much that he sent his own son to die a brutal death as a sacrifice for us. And so how do we respond to that, right? How should we respond to this? Um, Well, David, at the very end of this psalm, the last two verses, um, we'll see how he responds. He said, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any way uh, offensive in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. So David says in response to these great truths that he's been uh, speaking about, he says, search me, Lord, for anything that is undesirable to you and lead me in your way so I can be righteous through you. Uh, Honestly, this is one of the scariest prayers you can pray, (laughs) right? To ask God to search you for anything that is undesirable. Um, but the thing is, God already knows you. Uh, he knows every ounce of you. He knows your heart. He knows your every thought. He knows every ugly sin in your life that you try to keep hidden. He knows it. But even in your sinful state, Christ died for you. And so now we should live for him. And so our prayer should be the same prayer that David has here. Lord, point out anything in us that is not of you and lead us in righteousness through you. Uh, John echoes this in 1 John 4, 9. It says, God's love was revealed among us in this way, that God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. The greatness of God's love is shown not only in saving us from the judgment that we deserve, but also in wanting us to live through him. He saved us from death, but he also called us to life in Christ. Uh, And so maybe today you've not put your faith in Christ because you weren't sure about God. You didn't know, you know, does he really care about me? Does he even know me? And the answer is yes. Yes, he does. God knew you and loved you before anyone else. Before anyone knew you existed, God knew you uh, and he loved you. Before anyone knew your name, God knew your name and he had mapped out a plan for your life. 
While you were his enemy, he sent his son to die in your place so that you could live eternally with him. God made you, he knows you, and he is always with you. So trust in him today and live. And so as we close here this morning, this altar is open. Uh, If you need to put your trust in Jesus today is that day. If you need to come in and just ask God that he would search you and point out anything in you that is not of him, uh, that you can live in his righteousness, now is the time. And so let's pray together as we uh, close today. Father, we just thank you again for this time. We thank you for uh, this time to dive into your word and just to see uh, the great love that you have for each and every one of us, that you've knit us together in our mother's womb. You, um, you put us together with intentionality and with care and with love. Uh, and you care for us uh, so much that you sent your son to die in our place so that we could live eternally with you. So, Father, I just pray that uh, our prayer would be that we live for you, that we uh, uh, ask you to search us and to point out anything that is not from you so that we can live in your righteousness. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Bellevue Baptist Gadsden Podcast. We would love for you to join us on campus for worship Sunday mornings at 1045. We look forward to seeing you. Have a great week.